Craig. Father God, we just thank you that we can come together from all over the world and we can share your word. We can be built up. We can be edified. We can be encouraged because your word is alive within us and pushing us, spurring us on to greater things. Thank you, Father, that we can come together and be taught by you. We love you and we honor you by opening our hearts and our minds to your word tonight. And we praise this now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, a very big welcome. If you're joining us here in the room, if you're joining us online, thank you so very much for joining us at our Boswell Broadcast location. We're super excited that you can be here. In fact, I got so excited about you guys and you guys meeting that the camera guys told me that I should rather stick to a stool because I walk around too much and I mess up the shot. So tonight I'm sticking to the stool. I'm going to be in the seat of wisdom. And we're going to take a look at some Bible verses and get stuck into the Word. So, hey, why don't you guys in the room welcome those guys from around the world. It's awesome. And you guys can flap your armchair foot. There we go. We're flapping it. Welcoming. It's good. If you're in a coffee shop, slam the coffee cup on the table. It's good to have you and good to be able to come together from wherever you are in the world. I don't know how many of you have ever thought about the statement that Jesus made about picking up your cross and following me. Remember, he said to his disciples, you're going to have to endure some hardships. You're going to have to endure some tribulation. In fact, right there on the cross, he looked to somebody on his left or his right, and he said, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. There was somebody hanging in absolute excruciating agony, and Jesus was talking about a blessing. There he was telling you about the most excruciating, agonizing thing you could ever imagine doing, picking up a cross. At that time, picking up a cross meant sure death. I don't know if you know that we, we have some taboos. We don't like to mention certain things because of how sorrowful or how difficult it is to speak about. We think in this country of the events of 9-11. When we get to that date, even that number, we try and avoid talking about some of these difficulties and some of these challenges that sometimes we've been through. Back in the day, the Jewish nation wouldn't have been mentioning the word cross without any trepidation because the cross was an element of death. And they knew that if you had to pick up your cross, you were going one way, and that was towards a place of execution. And so when Jesus said, you're going to have to die if you're going to be blessed, it's kind of a conundrum, right? It's like kind of weird. You're going to have to walk through difficulty, and when you walk through difficulty, then you will have the blessing of following me. Where there is blessing, there's not always peace. There's not always an easy life. Where there's blessing, there's going to be difficulty. How many of you realize that since you've received Jesus Christ in your life, it hasn't always been easy? Amen? We, we kind of think that once we've got Jesus, we've got it all. It's all good. We're going to be fine. And then the first person comes along and says, are you crazy? Why do you believe that stuff? And we start getting persecution and we start getting issues. In fact, hey, some of you watching online right now, you might be watching online because you're not able in your country to go to a church and openly confess your faith. And so we just continue to pray for you, but we're so pleasantly happy and joyful that you are able to be with us and be able to be part of the family from wherever you are, even though where you are, you would be put to death if you could be found out to being Christian. And we sometimes forget that we are walking in so much blessing in the place that we're in that we forget that there's tribulation that comes with blessing. And we don't often see the tribulation that comes with the blessing. Well, tonight's message is going to be unpacking this, this concept of being blessed with a burden. That's kind of weird. Blessed with a burden. You know, we, we thought that Jesus' burden was light. Jesus told us that we'd have a burden and it would be light. He never told us we'd never have a burden. Amen? Because of 
our ability, peculiar, supernatural, to not look at the natural but walk through the difficulties, we are able to walk through those difficulties with the faith and the endurance of Jesus Christ operating in our lives, and as a result, we'll be able to walk slap bang into the blessing despite the difficulty. But here's the burden that we carry. Some of us carry burdens that aren't necessarily a tribulation or a difficulty. We know that we have difficulties in life. We know that we have to put our cross down. We know that we're going to be persecuted for our faith. But some of you are carrying a burden tonight that's not a, a difficulty. It's not a, a heart sore. It's not a hurt. It's not a persecution. But you carry a burden because you would like to do ministry in a certain way. You've got dreams, aspirations of helping certain people, of, of wanting to do and fulfill a need. You carry a burden of your past that's formed what you want to do with your life. Now, you might be going, huh, what does that mean? Well, how many of you know that most people who've been abused as a child go on to serve in some way that help abuse children? Most people who've gone through alcoholic abuse either fall to alcohol and get abusive themselves or get involved in some kind of ministry, work, helping others who've been abused because of alcohol abuse. You see, often our hurts are what drive our burden for ministry. Our hurts and our pains are what get us up in the morning to say, I do not want that to happen to anybody else. It becomes so heavy on your heart that you want that to be resolved. You want that issue to be sorted out that all of a sudden it becomes a burden that you carry. And that can become so painful to you. It's like a pebble in your shoe as you hike up Mount Everest. It's, it's, it's painful. You want to walk up the mountain. You want to do your ministry, but you've got this burden that you're carrying. Maybe it's for kids that have HIV and that have never known their parents. Maybe it's for abused children. Maybe it's for drug addiction. Maybe it's for whatever it is. The burden that you carry that you wish to solve can become so heavy that it almost feels like a persecution. It almost feels like you, you, you're never going to get there. You're never going to fulfill your dream. You're never going to solve all the difficulties. You're never going to walk out those issues. But you might be saying, Craig, I, I don't understand you. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't really. What is this burden, blessing thing that you're talking about? Well, let's jump in and have a look and say that God has definitely blessed you with a burden. Well, Jesus said, my burden is light. Therefore, he was saying, you're going to have a burden it's my burden that I'm giving you, and we're going to share together. It's my burden, and I'm going to, I'm going to share that with you. So we've definitely been blessed. Anything from Jesus to his people is not a malediction, but a blessing. So when he says you've been blessed with a light burden, let's understand that we're going to have a burden that we're going to have to carry. Now, my yoke is light, says the Lord. Now, how many of you know what a yoke is? A yoke is what we use for to put two oxen together. And for those of you online, I hope that as this city slicker preaches to a whole lot of people who know all about oxes and cows and farming and all that kind of stuff, that I get it right. So you're not going to see if I get it wrong because they're going to be looking at me skew and you're not going to see their faces. But this, this oxen, this yoke, is put across. Now, when a young ox is yoked up with a mature ox, Sometimes that young ox wants to go in the opposite direction to where the mature ox wants to go. As he's pulling the burden, this young one wants to go left, 
But the ox knows where he's got to go, and he keeps going. And eventually, even though it might cause the young ox some difficulty and some challenges, he gets into rhythm with the more mature ox. And when they start pulling together in rhythm, then the light, the burden becomes light. How many of you know that the yoke is not the burden? The burden is in the wagon. The yoke becomes light to bear, to pull the burden when we get into unforced rhythms with Jesus Christ. Now, you might have been yoked up with Jesus many years ago at home. Why don't you type in the, in the chat room right now the date that you received Jesus Christ, if you have that as a date. If you don't, it's no big deal. Some people go through a journey and then realize they're with Jesus and they can't find a date. Some of us have a specific date where we marked our relationship with Jesus. But if you write that down, that's the date you as a young ox got into the yoke with Jesus. And for some of us, it takes us a number of years of bucking and pulling and pushing and going in the opposite direction to finally surrender our lives to Jesus. We got into the yoke with Jesus at a, on a date, but we never finally, we never relinquished everything. How many of you are still busy holding on to some things? You haven't given it quite all to Jesus yet. You still, when it comes to your marriage, you want to go your way. When it comes to your finances, you want to buck the other way. When, and you don't want to get in the rhythm with Jesus Christ. As a result, the yoke becomes heavy. Being shackled to Jesus, if you don't want to be anywhere near his rhythms, can be unbearable. And we're not going to get that burden, that ministry, that solution, that hope of the mankind's weight pulled if we're busy bucking and pushing and pulling with Jesus. Am I making any sense? So when we get into the rhythm, the yoke becomes light. It becomes easy to be shackled up with Jesus. It becomes easy to be yoked to Jesus because we're now doing things in his rhythm. And now you can load up whatever you want to load up on my wagon because I'm good to pull it because I'm pulling it with Jesus. Am I making any sense tonight? That's good. At home, if you, make, if you think I'm making sense, just type something in the chat room. But what I'm getting at is that we all have a yoke. Now, how many of you know that I'm not going to yoke up two oxen and just let them walk around with the yoke across them. I'm going to attach something to the yoke. I'm either going to plow, or I'm going to pull, or I'm going to do something with these two ox that are yoked together. I'm not going to yoke up an oxen for the sake of just yoking them up. Jesus yoked them up together. He yoked you with him, and he, and he put him together because he knew that you were going to have a burden that you would want to pull for his kingdom. Am I making sense now? There's a burden placed on you that you always want to achieve. You always want to resolve it. If I had to ask Meg, who was just worshiping up here, what she gets up in the morning to do to worship God, what she loves doing, it's music and song and singing. That's not a heavy burden for her, but it's what's been placed on her wagon. She finds it easier to do that when she does it with Jesus. When she does it about Jesus, when she does it for Jesus, well, then her music becomes the load she bears, but it becomes something that she wants to pull, she wants to deliver, she wants to bring to the kingdom of God. Am I making sense now? Okay, I'm waiting for your amens to start coming, because they're not coming. They're coming in the chat room. So when we have a look, we need to, first of all, if we haven't identified what burden we need to pull... We're not going to want to get into rhythm with Jesus to pull it. We need to know the why 
before we do the what. We need to understand, well, what is it? What is my purpose? What burden do I have to put into this world? What, what am I going to achieve? What, what have I been put on the planet to do for God's kingdom? I'm part of the church. The church is the hope of mankind. Therefore, I play a part of being a hope of mankind. What, what hope can I bring mankind? That's our burden. And we need to define that burden and then get into a rhythm with Jesus of pulling that burden to be able to achieve things for the king and his kingdom. So when we have a look, we need to start with saying, well, hang on, I know I have to have a divine burden. I know the best way to pull it is to get into rhythms with Jesus Christ. But what is my burden? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And maybe in your own notes here in the room, on the chat room, in the notes section, you can start identifying your burden that you have been yoked up with Jesus to pull that becomes a blessing to those around you. Let's have a look. The first question, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? No, not your 16-year-old boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm talking about what issues in the world break your heart. Have a look at what it says in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3 to 4. Just to set you some background, Nehemiah has been taken into captivity. The city of Jerusalem lies in ruins. He's been away. He hasn't seen the impact of the destruction of Jerusalem. He's been in Babylon. And he's been in captivity. And so he, he finally gets reports back of the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem. Have a look at what it says. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Now, if you know Nehemiah, Nehemiah was like the the bad guy in a movie. You know where, like, Jackie Chang had nothing on Nehemiah. You know, I mean, like, Chuck Norris would feel insignificant next to Nehemiah. This was a guy that could build a wall and fight the Philistines with a sword in his other hand at the same time. Not only was this boy ambidextrous, he could build and fight at the same time. Hey, Amen. this guy was impressive. And yet when he heard this issue, when he heard, all of a sudden, he felt a burden on his wagon. He felt a burden for sorting that out. To, he doesn't, not another day must go by without there being some kind of resolution to that problem. Am I making sense? Every single one of us has a unique thing that breaks our heart. Can I tell you what breaks my heart? When I meet Christians and the passion for Jesus is gone. Man, it breaks my heart. When I meet Christians and they're depressed, they're downtrodden, they have no hope, they have no direction, they have no vuma in their tank, and yet they've got Jesus on the inside of them. It breaks my heart to see a father who just abuses his family because he's not rearing his children according to the ways of the Lord. He's lost his passion to do his fathering in the footsteps of Jesus. It breaks my heart when I see women and mothers and wives who, who seem to have lost their purpose because they feel like they're not good enough. They're not loved by anybody. They're not good enough to have a decent relationship. They've lost their passion for life because what the world has beaten out of them. It breaks my heart when I see people with no passion. What breaks your heart? Nehemiah heard of the destruction of the temple and he just, his heart broke. He knew what was on his wagon. You see, when you know what breaks your heart, you'll know what to do. And Jesus will help you do what you need to do about it. And so when we have a look at the first question, we need to ask ourselves, hey, what breaks your heart? When you 
Watch the news. Is there a specific news broadcast item that comes up on the news broadcast that you go, <gasps> what breaks your heart? When you see people without homes, does that break your heart? When you see children that are being, what breaks your heart? What, what, what stirs up in your heart? And you just know that that needs to be fixed. You can watch the whole news broadcast, corrupt politicians, people without homes, but let me tell you, let you find one where children can't receive a good education and you just break down because that's what's breaking your heart. And you have a look at that question and it starts defining what Jesus wants to enable you to do supernaturally. How many of you know that if children abuse children breaks your heart, you're never going to be able to fix everything in the world on your own steam? You need to get into the rhythm of grace, Jesus' faith in you. Remember, that's what we define grace as. Jesus' faith in you to walk out the accomplished word of his Father. Yeah? We discussed this, remember, that Jesus has faith in us. Grace is Jesus' faith in us. Even though we think we're broken, useless, and can never ever pull that weight, Jesus' faith in us, grace, we get into an unforced rhythm of acknowledging Jesus' faith in us to be able to pull the burden of abused children, of homeless, of sick, of ailments, of impassionate Christians. And so the list continues. Every single one of us has a unique heartbreak. Every single one of us has a unique heartbreak because everybody, every single one of us has had our heart broken in a unique way. Your history, your past, your hurts, they're all unique. I don't know why Nehemiah became the Jackie Chang of rebuilding the wall. I don't know. But something he must have had in his past where he got so passionate about seeing God's people protected, having a homeland, having a city that was a, a light on the hill, having, there must have been something in him that made him realize, that's my wagon that I'm going to pull with Jesus. What breaks your heart? And so when, G, when Nehemiah had heard about how bad Jerusalem was broken down, he sat down and wept. For some days he mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What populates your prayer journal? What populates your prayer journal? What naturally comes to you to pray about? You know, you, we, we often have situations in the church where we look at each other and say, I'm praying for you. And we leave the church and we don't pray for them. Why? Because it's not something that really breaks our heart. But then we'll have a conversation with somebody and we'll hear a need and we're still thinking about it days later. We're still talking to others days later. Somebody comes to us in the church and says, hey, will you please help out? We need meals for this person who's just gone into hospital. And oh, yes, yeah, sure, put me on the list. And then we're kind of disappointed when they call us to do it. Because, oh, now I have to do something. It's not really your thing. Providing meals for those in hospital are not your thing. You, you've been thinking about other wagons and other needs and other things that you could be doing with Jesus to really make a change. Am I the only one who gets brokenhearted about something in the room at home? Right now, why don't you write down in your journal, in the notes, where you are. Think about what breaks your heart. Because that's what you've been called to get into a rhythm with Jesus about. In getting into a rhythm with Jesus to heal a hurt and fill a need, you find healing in the hurt that caused you to have that burden. Did you get what I just said? We find healing in getting into rhythm with Jesus 
to provide the hope for the people that break our heart, to provide hope to the situations that break our heart. In getting into a rhythm with Jesus to provide that hope to others, we find healing in the hurt that caused us to have a broken heart about that situation. Serving other passionate Christians and serving, getting Christians passionate helps me heal the hurt I had of being in a passionless, Jesusless relationship with God as a kid. I remember passionately wanting to know God loves me and trying to figure out how do I figure, and it was just like a brick wall I was running up against. Why? Because I hadn't got a personal revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. But when that switched on and the passion of Jesus flooded into my life, there is no way I'm going to rest without somebody else getting the passion of Jesus Christ. I knew what was in my wagon and it would break my heart. And as a result of me wanting to get out and share that passion, I found healing for what, I was, what happened to me as a child. In getting into the rhythm with Jesus to provide the burden of hope that you've been given, you find the healing that caused you to have that burden in the first place. You don't only get healing. Nehemiah didn't get his healing from praying and fasting. No, he's got his direction and he got his rhythm with Jesus on which way he had to go to provide the hope, to rebuild the walls, but he didn't get his healing from praying and fasting either. No, he got into a rhythm with God as regards how he needed to deliver the rebuilt walls and was able to walk with that burden and be able to pull that burden. So the first thing, what breaks your heart? Here's a question you can ask yourself this. What area of your life, to find out what breaks your heart, what area of your life do you feel you need the most healing in? Think about why I asked you that question. Because if you can identify the area of your life that needs the most healing, you're probably going to find the, and identify the area of your life that needs that breaks your heart is breaking over. If you can find what your heart is breaking over, you'll know what, heart, what hope you can deliver. When you start delivering hope in that need, you'll find healing in the hurt. Oh, come on, that was good. And so when we have a look at where is it that I need my most healing, I'm also finding an answer to the question, what breaks my heart? Next question you can ask yourself to start defining what's on your wagon is this. What makes you angry? What makes Popeye angry? I can stand no more, said Popeye. When olive oil was being taunted, he got to a point where he could stand no more. And he would gulp down his spinach and he'd get to work. What can you stand no more about? Why do you think I get so passionate up here in the pulpit when I look down and I see some people going, oh, well, I'm at church again. Man, I can stand no more. I can stand no more. Get up, stand up, shake it up, worship up, do something, but get up and get going. This life will not put me down. Somebody came to me the other day and said, Craig, you've got great tenacity in figuring out things on, on apps and computers and things like that. Well, I got this saying that an, in, an inanimate object will not defeat me. I am cleverer than the program that was wired. I, am the, I have authority over the things of this earth, not the other way around. 
Amen? And it makes me angry when I can't figure out how to program my thermostat. I will not let an inanimate object defeat me. Amen? I have authority. God-given authority over that thermostat. God-given authority to be able to interpret the tongues of a crazy instruction manual that was translated from another language into English and makes no sense. I have authority. Amen? What makes you angry? Have a look at this scripture. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So let me tell you something. This message is not about if your answer to what makes you angry is your husband. I'm not encouraging you to go and kill and hide them in the sand. No, what I'm saying is Moses saw a need. He wanted his people. What burned? What broke Moses' heart? His people being abused. His people being downtrodden. And when he saw an example of that, it got him angry. He responded all incorrectly. He didn't get into the rhythm that we could get into. And all of a sudden, that burden became heavy. He had to run away to the desert because he didn't get into the rhythm of grace with the Father. God had to take him on a 40-year journey to get him into rhythm, give him a burning bush, give him a, a stick that turned to a snake, just to get him into rhythm. I was a medic for a long time. And when you get into a place where somebody's heart is not in rhythm, you sometimes have to do some pretty drastic treatment to get that heart back into a rhythm. Jesus will sometimes do whatever it takes to get you into a rhythm because he has a need that only you can fulfill. He has a hope that only you can deliver and you're busy bucking this way and that way. But it's what angers you is what's going to motivate you. And if you can give that righteous indignation to Jesus, he's going to get you pulling that load of hope all the way through town. What makes you angry? What makes you mad? What drives you? What incenses you about this world? What is Satan doing that just gets up your nose? No more. I can stand no more. It's broken my heart for far too long. You're busy identifying your wagon. Get into rhythm with Jesus and start pulling the load of hope. Start pulling the burden that's actually your blessing. Third question you can ask yourself to define what your, what your load is is this. What do you care about that others don't? What do you care about? Now, my son's in the room, so I can use him as an example. He, I will come in from a day's work, and Kevin wants to tell me all about the gaming experience he's just had on the Xbox, and the clips that he's got, and the, and the characters he played, and the things that he got done. And I very diligently try and show that I'm genuinely interested in this new phenomenon gaming thing that my son is doing. But can I just have my meal and chill for a few minutes before I have here how many kills you've had on your Xbox game? So, Kevin really cares about this stuff. He really is motivated. He can look at me and I look as dejected and as disinterested as I like, but he keeps going. Why? Because this is something that he cares about. You see, when we have something that we care about doing with Jesus, no matter what opposition comes against us, we're going to be able to keep going because we care about this that nobody else might care about. Somebody else hasn't had that hurtful history 
that's brought about the desire to deliver that kind of hope. You have a unique history, a unique past, a unique set of circumstances that's formed you and shaped you to have a unique wagon of hope for a unique audience. Everybody says, oh, but you know, how can our, our gifts from the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gift, how can they be so unique? How many of you have walked around and gone, God's given you a special gift? But then we hear conversations like, well, the Holy Spirit's given everything you need and it's the measure of faith and everybody's got the same gift. Well, you see, when you take your past hurts, when you take your unique things that break your heart, when you take the unique things that make you angry and you wrestle that in and you stir that in and you knead that in with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you get a unique wagon of hope. How many of you walk in a room and somebody says, did you see so-and-so? They were pretty down. And you look at them and go, what do you mean they were down? They were bubbly. They were the life of the party. No, that person noticed something that nobody else did. Why? Because they probably had that feeling. They probably had that facial expression. They probably had that depression. They probably had that issue themselves at some point. And uniquely, they are able to identify something that they can care about that nobody else will spot. What do you sometimes see in people that nobody else sees? What do you sometimes sense in people that nobody else senses? What do you sometimes feel when you walk in a room that nobody else has felt? Don't think you're crazy. Don't think you're weird. Don't think that you're not normal. Don't think that you, you are being called to have peculiar thoughts. You have unique thoughts, unique things that make you angry, and unique things that break your heart. Embrace them. That's your burden of blessing. Don't just shut up. Oh, no, it must have been me. I must have got it wrong. Holy Spirit, did I get that wrong? I don't think so, but you'll tell me. Holy Spirit, I didn't, I thought so. I'm going to go and see if I can help that person who looked depressed because I used to fight depression. And if you get it wrong, so what? If the person wasn't depressed and you came over and said hi to them, you just made somebody's day. So what? There's no, there's no benefit, there's no detriment to dragging hope into any situation. And so when we have a look at the next question, we have a look at the scripture of David. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David cared about the name of the living God. Every single one of those army guys that were going up against Goliath were putting on armor. They were deliberating who should go. What's the reward for me? What am I going to get out of this if I have to slay him? David cared about the name of the living God. He went down and he was giving sandwiches out to his brothers, right? That's what he came to do. He came to give sandwiches and, and supplies to his brothers who were on the front line. And he was talking to his brothers and, and, and it says in part of the scripture in, Genesis, in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that David heard of Goliath and he heard Goliath taunting them, but he did nothing. He was still delivering sandwiches. Why? Because Goliath was telling the Israelite army how small they were, how puny they were. That didn't bother him. He didn't care about what Goliath felt about the army. He did care about what Goliath felt about his God. So as soon as Goliath said, who is this God? David went to Saul. Or he went to his brothers and started saying, I'll defeat him. I'll defeat him. When his brothers ignored him, he said, in Scripture it says this, whatever, you don't want to listen to me anyway. And it says in Scripture, and David turned to somebody else to tell them that he could defeat Goliath. So when your, when your outcry to help somebody, to get involved in somebody, falls in deaf ears, 
If you know that you are in rhythm with Jesus to deliver the solution to that problem, it doesn't matter if you receive persecution. It doesn't matter if you have to pick up your cross. It doesn't matter if you have to work through difficulty. You're going to be able to find a way of delivering that hope no matter what. So David turns to his brothers, his other people that were listening to him, and he speaks to so many people at dinner that Scripture says, and Saul got to hear of David's plans. He was finding anybody that would hear. And nobody at dinner seemed to care like he cared about the fact that Goliath was taunting their God. They all seemed to care about was that Goliath was going to destroy them. That didn't, that didn't bother David because he could see what their God, his God could do with a bear. He could see what his God could do with a lion. He could see what his God could do with a, with a faithful Sloan in an obedient sling. And when Goliath taunted his, his God... Something snapped. What broke David's heart, what made him angry, and what he cared about that nobody else cared about, all of a sudden came to the moment that found him running headlong towards the giant. As the giant fell to his knees, David was drawing out with passion a sword, knowing that he was walking in the eye of his purpose. Was it difficult to run up to that Goliath with a sling? Oh, that yoke must have been pretty uncomfortable. Oh, that wagon of, the, of giving God's name glory must have been pretty weighty. As he bent down to pick up those stones to, to put in his sling, he must have been second-guessing him. What am I doing here? But his broken heart for God's name, his anger for this guy that was speaking out against God's name, and the fact that he deeply cared about it when nobody else seemed to care, drove him forward in rhythm with God's will. Romans chapter 12, the perfect, acceptable will of God. When you give up who you are to fulfill the call of God on your life, that's called living sacrifice. And when you get into a rhythm of not doing the things that the world is asking you to do, but walking in your living sacrifice, you get into the perfect will, perfect rhythm of grace. You get to see how much Jesus has faith in you for that situation at hand. Wow. When I realize that I am the solution to a problem and God has uniquely walked through hurts, troubles, successes, and all those things so that I can pull a wagon load of hope into that situation and he believes in me with everything he's got that I'm going to pull that wagon of hope into that situation. Man, I'll pull that wagon. If everybody tells me I should put it down, I'll pick it up and I'll keep going because I've got Jesus' faith in the forefront of my mind. He has faith that I'm going to deliver this wagon. He is in rhythm with me that we can deliver this wagon of hope. We, we are in rhythm to get it done and I'm going to get it done with Jesus. But we've got to identify what's in our wagon. What breaks your heart? What makes you angry? What do you care about that others don't seem to care about? That they should care about? The fact that people don't care about what you care about makes you angry and it breaks your heart. It's a loop. And so when we have a look at that, I've in my notes, and if you're following along with your notes, if you've got the notes open in the app, there's a line where you can fill in. I am burdened by... What is it? What is it? If you know what's on your wagon, you'll know what you've got to pull. You'll know what you've got to pull, and you'll need to pull it by getting into rhythm with Jesus to pull that hope 
to mankind and to the world. What can you stand no more? When I look at Sunday school teachers, when I look at people trying to work in ministry, and I see their joy being robbed because they can't seem to get enough volunteers to work in the kids' church, I can stand no more. You're robbing somebody of their passion to serve with your laziness. Ouch. When we just become consumer Christians, we just want to receive and receive and receive. We're not worried about what wagon load of hope we have to give. We just want to get hope for ourselves. Well, you're getting out of rhythm with Jesus because Jesus has a plan for you to pull hope into the world. And if you become a hope consumer, not a hope purveyor, you're not going to have very much passion and joy in your life because you're not going to be in rhythm with Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus was not a hope consumer, but he was a hope purveyor, and he's called us to be in the business with him of purveying hope to this broken world? What is it that you can stand no more? I'm burdened by. Once you've identified your burden, you've got two ways of reacting. Once you've identified what you can stand no more, there's a couple of things the human psyche can do with that. The first thing you can do is you can complain about it. Oh man, I can complain about how dead the church is. How there's no passion. Oh, they went into worship and you could hardly hear them sing. Oh, I can complain about it. Not you guys at home, because I never hear you sing. Praise the Lord. But the fact is that we can complain about our burden. How many of you know if you're complaining about the burden that you have in life, it means you're not in rhythm with Jesus Christ? I can complain about it. The other thing that the human psyche can do is we can ignore it, hoping that it's going to go away. I can stand no more this issue that we have in this country with abortion. We'll have to see what the president's going to do about that. We have to see what so-and-so is going to say about that. We'll have to see what, and we just ignore it. We let somebody else handle it. Remember, if you have a care about something, it's a care about something that nobody else is caring about in your area because God needs you to be the one to care about it. So get stuck in with something. Do something about it. Don't ignore it. Ignoring it's not going to go away. How many of you have got that, you know that itch that you just can't scratch? Bottom of your foot, usually, when you're driving on the highway, on your accelerator foot. Oh, come on, that's the one that normally hits, right? On the, on the highway, you're driving, and you just, you even try driving with your other foot so you can try and scratch it, and you, you, you just can't get rid of it. Let me tell you something. If you're going to resist purveying the hope that God has called you to purvey, you're always going to have a itch of not being successful, having no purpose, having no direction, and you're going to try and scratch that with all sorts of things, and it's not going to go away until you get into the rhythm with Jesus to purvey the hope that he's called you to purvey. The third thing you can do is look for all the wrong itches or all the wrong scratches for all the wrong itches. How many of you, when you're upset about something, you're de depressed about something, you're trying to appease that itch with some shopping? When you're depressed or upset about something, you can stand no more. Your solution, Amazon.com. How many of you have heard the expression, I want, to, I want to drink away my troubles? I want to escape. I don't want to be part. Why? Because the things that break your heart have become so overwhelming 
and you're doing nothing with that passion that you want to retract and get away from it. Don't do that. Don't try and complain about it. Don't ignore it. And don't try and appease it with all the wrong things. Here's the right way to embrace your burden, your blessing. Let your burden ruin you. What? Let it completely trash you and break you. Here's why. Have a look at Isaiah 6 verse 5. Woe to me, cried Isaiah, when he heard what he had to do, when he realized what his mission in life was. Look at what Isaiah said. Woe to me, I am ruined. God's called me to go and speak. That's what's in my wagon, but I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. His burden broke him. Let it break you. Because you see, if we don't let it break us, we're going to be trying to solve it on our own steam, on our own methodologies, on our own ways. Our burden must humble us so much. We must think that the burden is so tough to carry that the solution that we have to deliver is completely, erratically not the right solution. And then Jesus comes in, gets us into rhythm, and sees us delivering a supernatural miracle, not a logical solution. I will never fulfill the hope of mankind on my own. So I let the fact that the church is slowly but surely shrinking into a bunch of people that have no passion for Jesus, I let it break me. I weep about it. Let me tell you something. You will find me on my face in the floor in the living room weeping about Christians who have no passion. Because when I get to the place of that thing breaking me, I rely on the strength, the faith that Jesus has in me. Not my own understanding. The right ways to embrace your burden let it break you. Let it ruin you. Get to the bottom. Get to the end of the rope about that thing. And then watch Jesus use you supernaturally to create a miracle. The next thing you want to do, according to Isaiah 6 verse 8, what did Isaiah do? He said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Here, Isaiah, all puffy-eyed and red from weeping, He's all gutted and broken. He can't do anything about it. He feels so pathetic, like he'll never be able to do anything. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'll never speak for God. He's been weeping for four days. He's, been, he's caught up on all his binge watching. He's shopped at Amazon. He's tried to find solution with antidepressants. He's all gutted and broken. And God says to him, so who shall I send? <laughs> me, Lord. Here I am. Send me you'll find your greatest passion in your greatest brokenness. Why? Because God takes your weaknesses and makes you strong. In your brokenness with Jesus, you'll find your biggest passion and strength. And so he says, here I am, send me. Three verses later, that's not even three pages in his journal later, that's just three sentences later, he's going from completely broken to completely actioned. And you know what breaks you, you'll know what drives you. Amen? And so he goes, and it lets your burden action you. The right ways to embrace your burden, let your burden ruin you, and let your burden move you to action. So in the notes, I'm going to be asking you here in the room, on our location and on the online Facebook location, I'm going to be journeying with you through three primary questions over the next couple of days 
and we can discuss this amongst ourselves to figure out, hey, what's your burden? What is my blessing and what is my burden? The first thing we're going to look at is we're going to say, hey, describe a time when you had a Popeye moment. Describe a time when you can stand no more moment, when something bothered you so deeply that you had to act. And finally, we're going to finish the sentence with, my divine burden is what angers you, what breaks your heart, what do you care about that nobody else does? And finally, the third day, we're going to discuss how can you expose yourself to more of your burden? Some of us run away from, when we identify our burden, we run away from it. Amen? We need to expose ourselves to more of our burden. If our weakness is going to become our strength, if our burden is going to become our motivation, if our rhythm with Jesus is going to become the hope, we need to expose ourselves to the wagon. Otherwise, I'm just two ox walking around the paddock with a yoke on. I need to know what I've got to pull. And I'm going to keep on looking at it, sizing it up, figuring out what's the best way to pull it. How am I going to pull it? Jesus, how, what are we going to do about this? I'm constantly exposing myself to my burden. As God increases your burden, He'll increase your desire to do something about it. Amen? But the rhythm will be light. And grace and faith to you means that Jesus has all faith that you will pull in rhythm with Him the wagon load of hope that your weakness has birthed, that your issues, that your difficulty, that your challenges have birthed. Amen? I want to close with a quick story. We were busy preparing for Kevin's birth. We got into this room where we had to go through antenatal care. And man, this lady, I'd been a paramedic, I'd helped deliver some babies, and this lady was really giving us a good antenatal class on what to expect when you're expecting and what you've got to go through in the birthing experience. The huffing and the puffing and the blowing my house down was taught really well by this lady. And we got all the way to the end of the class when I finally found out that she had no children of her own. I'm going, what? She hasn't walked through the experience that she's teaching. How many of you realize that because you've walked through some hurts, you've walked through some challenges, you are well qualified to be the purveyor of hope to others who face the same kinds of challenges? Don't ever think that the situation or the hurt that you're going through right now is not going to prepare you to become an incredible testimony. If right now you're in a place of brokenness, imagine yourself sharing with the church the place of hope that you've moved to with Jesus. Imagine yourself testifying at a marriage retreat about how God healed your broken marriage, how God healed the situation, even though you're finding yourself in that situation right now. Imagine yourself being the wagon bearer of hope to people who are walking through the same kinds of hurts that you're walking through right now. Don't look too far in your past of hurts to find your current purpose. You're finding your purpose in your hurt right now. You're finding your purpose in walking with life right now with people. You're finding the way to find a need and fill it and find a hurt and heal it. Amen. Well, let's pray together and then we'll go into some discussion in the chat room and you can discuss what you've learned today. And those three questions are in the notes. You guys will be able to discuss that on your Facebook pages and we'll be able to bless you with some time with you this week on Facebook to discuss those questions. Let's pray together and then we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you that we can come together from all over the world and we can figure out what drives us, what stirs us up, what encourages us to be that hope to the world. 
thank you for sharing that you have faith in us, even though we are broken. That is why you have faith in us, because we become the best purveyors of your hope to the world in that brokenness. Thank you for making our weaknesses strength. Father, thank you for turning things around. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people all over the world said amen and amen. Well, if you're at home today, if you just took in that message and that changed your life, I want to encourage you right now to click on that banner that says, I raised my hand. That banner is there for you to tell us your story, for you to tell us what, what affected you today in today's message, what decision you made from today's message. If you're looking to discuss some of these things, you have a burden, but you have never defined it. You've never received a passion or a purpose for that burden. You know you've wanted to serve God, but the things that you've been doing at church didn't give you that fulfillment. Making coffee in the coffee shop, being an online host didn't quite give you the fulfillment. You love doing it, but it's not giving you purposeful fulfillment. Or maybe it's time for you to define your burden, your blessing of burden, and say, that's what I'm going to chase after. And we'd love to be able to journey with you right now. So why don't you click on that banner? Let us know. We'll be in contact with you. We'd love, love, love to be able to just find out and journey together with you. We're going to be discussing this on our Facebook group. And if you're not part of that Facebook group online, why don't you go ahead right now and click on the, the link or the banner and that'll be able to take you to that group. And you'll be able to get connected with other people who are working out their rhythms of grace with Jesus Christ, who are discovering that not only do they have faith in Him, but He has faith in each one of us. So thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. Look forward to seeing you again really, really soon. You be blessed and enjoy the rest of your week journeying through what is your blessing and what is your burden. Be blessed and we'll see you again soon.